In this episode, we're going to be talking about the best and worst contracts in the NBA, the Warriors and Dwight Howard, updates on the Damian Lillard situation, and a ton more. Without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Time out! All right, and welcome back everyone to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your host, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And yeah, time to talk about today. So let's kick it off with our first topic here. We're going to be talking about our thoughts on the best and worst contracts in the NBA. So Hunter, I want you to start. Give me your top five best contracts in the NBA. Yeah, I have it on my phone here. So let me read this out. In order, I got number one, Austin Reeves. I think this is the I think this is the best contract in the NBA. Number two, I have Russell Westbrook. Surprise pick, but very, very (laughs) low risk. Four mil a year for a guy who's giving you a ton of production. Number three, I have Herb Jones. That's twelve mil for four years. That's Mm. such a solid deal for a guy who could be a defensive player of the year potentially. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I also have on this list. Twenty six mil a year for a guy who's putting up points like he's worth forty five mil a year. Great contract. Lastly, I have Laurie Markkinen. He's on an 18 mil for two more years. That's mm. solid for a guy who's one of the most efficient big men in the league and, you know, led the Jazz for a, a large portion of the that season before they started tanking. Yeah, I love that Herb Jones pick, one of the most promising young players in the league. And, you know, the Pelicans really have him on a steal there. So I like those picks. Yeah, let me let me get here your list, Rafa. What are the top five best contracts in the NBA today? All right, so I'm going to do them in reverse order. So at number five, got Jaron Jaron Jackson Jr. He's making $75 million over three years. I mean, this is a defensive player of the year kind of guy, a guy who you could really structure a team defense around. So I think they, they that's a good contract, that $25 million a year. Yeah, uh, Marcus so. Smart, similarly, three years, 60 mil, just another high-impact guy, a guy who plays way beyond his contract and brings so many intangibles to your locker room. Um, I have at number three, Jose Alvarado. Wow, at we had a very different years, list. Two years, three point five million. I mean, this is a guy who's making barely anything, but is a high contributor to your defense. Big energy guy, delivers in the playoffs. I think that you know the Pelicans have him on a steal. Um, and then at number two, I have Dejounte Murray. I think this is a guy making seventeen million a year, all star level player, um, and he's on contract for two years. So I think the um, the Hawks, you know, they got a great deal in Dejounte Murray. <laughs> Uh, and then, we'll, we'll talk about sorry, that. Sorry, I know, I know you don't believe me, but I, th- I can see the disbelief on your face. But I think that the Hawks really have him on a good deal. Um, and then number one, Jalen Brunson. I think this is the most solidified pick. He's the fifty third most most paid player in the league, but he's by far and away way better than the fifty third uh, best player. Um, I think that you know his deal. He is on a declining deal, so that means that. As the years go by, he's going to be making less and less money. So I think the Knicks really got him on a steal. It's funny. Everyone sort of clowned that move at the time as a classic Knicks overpay. But I think everyone has sort of come to realize that this is an absolute steal of a contract. And Brunson is legit a star player who delivers and can carry a team. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that Jalen Brunson pick. I think we're going to have to talk about that Hawks pick, though, the DeJounte Murray pick. I think he actually does have a contract extension. Let me double check that. But yeah, while you do that, let me just uh, talk about Dejounte yeah. Murray. Oh, I okay, that... sorry, sorry. Next year he's making he has a contract extension where he's making thirty one million dollars in twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty eight. I don't think that's 
an overpay Wait, or an Wait, underpay. Really? He's making he's making twenty five okay. million dollars next Apologies. year. Twenty seven million dollars the year after that. Thirty million dollars the year after that. This is a guy who's you could say had a I would say he's at the right pay because this is guy yes eighteen million dollars definitely an underpay for a guy like Deshaun Tiberi. But his contract is definitely going up in value in the next couple of years, and this is a guy who's consistent you know this is a very mediocre level team and i think he's a mediocre level all-star so i think it's like the perfect glove with a mediocre contract for an all-star i think is like all around mediocre you know okay i'm gonna be completely honest yeah <laughs> I, I got some outdated information my sources yeah. were a little yeah. bit out of sync which is completely my bad in that case um i wouldn't have Dejounte murray that high i definitely think a guy like you know herb jones i might throw on this list uh, I'm curious about your Austin Reeves pick all the way at number one. Why do you think he is the most best, the best valued player in the NBA? Yeah, I think especially I wouldn't have said this before the FIBA World Cup, but I think this is a guy who proved that he can show out on the, the top stage of basketball when other guys are around the league. Other all stars are, are, you know, playing with him. He he still shined as a player very efficient. I think what makes him so good is he wouldn't be good as the number one or number two option, but he has the ability to play off ball really well with also a high degree of on ball skill, which is a rare combination for a player. So like, let's say you swap Jalen Brunson and and Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves will not ever do what Jalen Brunson is able to do. He's just not the number one or number two option. But I think Jalen Brunson would also struggle doing what Austin Reeves does. So you know, I think there's a little bit of give and take. And I think Austin Reeves at $14 million a year is just such an incredible value for a team that's going to have him for four years at that cost. And, you know, this is a, a hopefully what they're probably planning is have him and AD be like, you know, one, two, and then hopefully get a three once LeBron retires. So I think this is just a, an incredible deal. I think you could... I think you're way overvaluing Austin Reeves. And this is coming from a fan of the guy. You, you just put him as... Has a one and two with no, Anthony no, Davis. No, 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 no. I'm not saying serious? he. No, Anthony Davis is the one, and he would be the second best player on the team. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> okay, saying it's at Austin one A, Reeves one B. A, I'm sorry. If Austin Reeves is the second best player on your team, you are not making it very far. Okay, I think my, you're way overvaluing. No, no. If him, if man. you look at if you look in the, the FIBA tournament, he <laughs> by no. I mean, obviously FIBA isn't like it doesn't translate directly, right? But there's a reason why Austin Reeves was the talk of the town. Among the NBA players as well. Okay, but guess what? Team USA, <laughs> they flopped. They disappointed. They bombed out early, didn't even get a medal. And if we're going by judging players based off their FIBA performance, we should be giving Dennis Schroeder a Supermax contract. You know, I don't think you can read too deeply into these results. Did he have a great playoff run? Sure. And do I think he's a good player? Absolutely. But is he the best value contract in the league? Is he the two Number two, after LeBron retires behind Anthony Davis for the Lakers, absolutely not. I think that he's going to be a good player, you know, in the same vein as maybe like current Gordon Hayward, a guy like that of that caliber. Um, and I'm not just saying that. Yeah, he's both white. Current, you know? current Gordon Hayward is, I think, he, you have to go back a little bit in time to give him a more fair Gordon Hayward comparison. Not he's all-star not Gordon prime Golden no, Gordon Hayward. No, he's I'm not, not even... saying he's all-star. I'm not saying he's an all-star level player, but he's he by the time he's in his prime, I think this, we're talking about a borderline all-star level guy. What do you mean in his prime? He's 25 years old right now. Yeah, it? prime is 28 to 32. That is considered prime. <laughs> we're talking prime about is... we're talking about prime Austin Reeves right now, dude. I promise he's not that good. Like, look, 
you're talking about him like he's he's the next coming. Okay, of... but we're talking about value. This is a guy who you could say should have been paid twenty five million dollars plus, and we we were worried as Laker fans, not just as Laker fans, but the NBA all around, that the Austin Reeves was going to be getting offers for twenty five million dollars a year from a team like Houston. So. Sure. Okay, that's if you're fair. if you're saying he's getting paid ten million dollars less than we thought he was going to get paid, that is an incredible deal, and you cannot say that about, about almost any NBA player. Yes, you can. You can say that about Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is a guy who, at the end of his contract, is going to be making twenty million dollars a year. This is a guy who single handedly basically brought his team to the second round of the playoffs. He's a guy who can be your number one option on a team genuinely contending for an NBA championship. And he, he's a guy who has. And I so agree with skills. you that Jalen Brunson he's... is under undervalued as a contract. But at the same time, I think when you, when the more money you make, the less of a the, the less impact it has on the undervalued he's side making, of things. You, at you know the end I mean? of his contract, he's basically making six million more than Austin Reeves. Are you serious? Like that? The fact? No, also that's not is... true. What are you talking about? He's making twenty six million dollars a year. He's not making twenty. Okay, 12. 12, 6, what's That's, the difference? 12, 6 is a big difference. That's like The difference oh, the, is actually 6, so... What are you talking fine. about? Jalen Brunson at the end of his contract is making $25 million. Currently, he making, okay. he's going to be making $26 million this year. That's a, a difference of, what, $10 million between the two of them? That is a significant difference. Okay, okay. I'm getting the numbers a little bit fudged up. <laughs> That's on me. But the point still stands. I think that Jalen Brunson, he is a guy who deserves to be making... Trey Young level money. You know what I'm I, saying? Yeah. He has to be making John Morant level money. He's in that same tier of point guard, but he's not. He's making role player, like good role player esque money. That's There's true. so many more. There's exactly 53 players in the NBA that are making more money than him, but he is better than a vast majority of those players. So I think that the, you have to add into the take into account that his contract is declining. That's why he has the best contract, in my opinion. Okay. Fair. I. Who else did you have on your list? Because I want to talk about some of those other guys. Um, I think. I mean, I Jose Alvarado, Marcus yeah, Smart, Jose, and Jaren I would Jackson. agree with. I would. I would agree with all those guys. I do think that Laurie Markkinen is also a guy who's sure. on a yeah, very good contract. Yeah, that's a guy I didn't think about. So and, honestly, I'll give you that one. And I know you were surprised by Russell Westbrook being at number two. So did did you want to talk about that one? At yeah, all? let's talk about it because yeah. I think that sure he's undervalued, but I mean, he's also shown to be a complete liability at times. Yeah. Yeah, but this okay. You can talk about a guy who's a liability, but then you have to talk about scenario. We're talking about the guy who is an Iron Man on the team where the stars are lacking. He fits the team very well. Proved that he could go into a playoff scenario and basically he dragged the Clippers, the dead Clippers, to a win, a victory against a Phoenix Suns team that was overwhelming to them with Kevin Durant. Then was almost took another game out of them. And this was just all off of, like, it looked like prime Russell Westbrook out there. And you're talking about a guy, obviously, we can talk about Russell Westbrook's flaws. Those things aren't going to change. But you're talking about the guy who will consistently show up every night. And when he's the number one option, I think he can win you regular season games. And there's going to be a lot of games where Kawhi and PG aren't going to be there. Even with this new rule, I think they're just going to either, you know, have legitimate injuries or take the money hit. So we're talking about a guy who are for $4 million a year could get you 10 plus extra regular season wins just because he's dragging your role player filled team during the regular season. That doesn't have any. Well, I have a question. I have a question. Is there, do you think there's a reason why he didn't get more money from another team? If he's such a, such a net positive. 
yes, I do think there's another reason he didn't get more money from another team. For one, he's a LA home home guy. He wanted to be in Los Angeles. So who knows if he got other offers? He might have. He might have not had other offers. And if and if he didn't have any other offers, the reason why is because he's, you know, we know his flaws. He's inefficient. He doesn't work well in in fitting into a system. He can be a locker room headache if you know he doesn't get what he wants. Like, you know, there's certain things, and that isn't something that other teams have the ability to afford but the clippers do have the ability to afford that because it's kind of just the perfect mesh of their all-stars you know being unhealthy russell westbrook being an iron man uh all of their role players being shooters like all of the kind of just lines up for russell westbrook to be able to thrive it just is yeah. scenario i just think that at this point in his career he's more of a liability than an asset and i'll agree he he can really contribute to a team at times however i think that's honestly counterbalanced by like the amount he takes away with his careless turnovers, you know, his t- terrible shot selection at times. And yeah, he did have a great performance in the playoffs, but $4 million, I would say, yeah, it's on the lower side, but is it one of the best value contracts in the league? I think so. Uh, I don't think d- so. D- it's we're like talking, I, we're about talking guy... about, we were talking about a guy who was almost out of the league. We were talking about yeah, a guy who might not right. have even had another contract. So for him to even have a contract, that's good. That's I would good disagree because I think we could be talking about a guy, regardless of, if it's going to translate to a ton of wins or not, we're going to be talking about the guy who's going to be averaging 18, eight and eight or 18, seven and seven. I think he will put up the same numbers he's been putting up. And for $4 million, that is ridiculous, regardless of efficiency. What do you mean? Regardless of efficiency, Look, you know how many be- players in the league could average 18, eight and eight on terrible efficiency. Okay. But his efficiency isn't so abysmal that it, it, it like totally degrades his Let's value. Be honest here. At this point in his career, it is look at his three point percentage. Look at some of the stretches where he just lays absolute stinkers, and it's just like, why get this guy off the court? You know, but again, if you, if you looked at the him in the postseason, look, we have to we have to look at his his tenure as a Clippers player, and it has been a positive. That's okay. what you, because you know fit matters. The Lakers fit was horrible. That sure. Lakers team, okay. it was just an awful situation, right? I'll give and then you, you that have fair. to you have to look at his Clippers tenure, and as a Clipper, he is proven successful. Sounds good. Um, honestly, I I mostly agree with you there. I just don't know if I'd throw that in the best value contracts. Uh, okay. But let's move to talking about the worst contracts in the NBA. Yeah. So I'll start for my worst contract the fifth worst contract in the nba i have fred van vliet actually wait mm. apologize apologize i want to have some honorable mentions uh my honorable mentions being john jonathan isaac when has he played he's making 18 million dollars a year uh and then draymond green i also have as an honorable mention mm. i only have him up there because you know he's gonna be 37 making 25 million dollars I, I don't know about that but going back fred van vliet just why that's a horrible deal Tobias Harris making forty million dollars a year, mm. just stupid. Uh, Jeremy Grant understood at the time when they thought Dame was going to stay, but that's just going to age horribly. Number two, I have Rudy Gobert. What a mess of a situation with the Timberwolves. Just horrible fit. They have him on for three years, and he's of course going to accept his player option for forty-eight million dollars. And then the number one worst contract in the NBA, Ben Simmons, a guy who still isn't playing. Or it, when he does play, he's on the bench and he's making eighty million dollars over the next two seasons to literally rebound the ball for his teammates. Like, Obviously, but not yeah. not during the game, during the warm up, during the shoot around. <laughs> his entire job. I I swear to God, I I'm not kidding. I went to a Brooklyn Nets game when KD and Kyrie were there in Atlanta, and 
this was when he still wasn't playing yet. Uh, this is after the James Harden trade, you know, he, but he looked like physically fine. And he was out there with like nine-year-olds next to him rebounding for his teammates. I was like, I've never seen something like this. <laughs> like that was all That's he hilarious. did. Then he just went to the bench. That's so funny. It's no different today. Honestly, it's so true. Um, and I think you'll find that our lists have a lot in common. Yeah. So, Rafa, let me hear it. What are your top five worst contracts in the NBA today? Okay, so at number five, I have John Collins, uh, three years, 78 mil. I think this is a guy who had a lot of hype, but has really regressed a ton as a player. I mean, his value has fallen off a cliff to where the Hawks basically traded him away for, what, a second-round pick um, and some garbage. And Rudy so, Gay. Who they yeah, so waved. yeah, some garbage. Um, so I have him at five. At four, I have Davis Bertans. This is a guy who has a toxic contract at three years, forty nine mil. Can't defend a stone. Um, and his shooting has really fallen off a cliff as well. Um, and I think that you know, like you see the Wizards basically trading him away. Um, the Wizards trading him away, or sorry, the the Mavericks trading him away. He's just a negative well, asset. Both teams traded him away. <laughs> yeah, every team is trying to get rid of him. Um, and he's sitting on the Thunder now. I don't think he'll get any PT. Um, and he's just a terrible contract in general. Uh, number three, I have Dylan Brooks at four years, 86 million. I mean, come on. We saw the generational terrible performance by Dylan Brooks in this year's playoffs. And then what does he get rewarded with? One of the most overpaid contracts in the nba i'm gonna disagree with that but we'll talk about that later number two i also have rudy gobert um i mean he signed a five-year 205 million dollar contract with the timberwolves looking like an absolute disaster of a deal because the fit just doesn't work with cat and then number one i have future shanghai sharks mvp ben simmons yeah three years 113.7 million dollars i mean come on Let's be so honest. This guy, he's mentally weaker than a nine-year-old, and who knows if he'll ever play uh, basketball again. So, yeah, uh, definitely the worst contract in the league. Yeah, no, I'm going to disagree with that Dylan Brooks take, though. Okay, let's And I say that because, look, for all the clowning we do on Dylan Brooks, he still has value as a player. He's like a knockoff Draymond Green in a lot of ways. Can't shoot the ball, still takes those shots, but he still has the grit, the toughness. He still brings that to the table. He still plays above average. I would say solid defense, not just above average. He's a good defender, and he is a decent passer. And we saw he can catch fire. Like in the FIBA, he went seven for eight from three. And that's going to happen one in every 20 games, right? But he's going to have that night, and your team's going to win by 25, 30 points. So I still think he provides enough value to a team, especially a team like the Rockets, where they don't have a – necessarily the physical tough kind of leader guys and obviously fred van vliet and amen thompson will be the real leaders of that team but dylan brooks is still going to provide a certain amount of toughness and leadership to a lot of young players around him even if we clowned on him for saying stupid stuff about lebron and not being the best locker room presence but he's still a valuable as a player whereas i think everyone else on this list has very minimal value okay well i'll disagree with you there i think that one I mean, I think the better contract of the Rockets deals they made this offseason would be Fred Van Vliet. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, is a proven winner. I mean, he's delivered on the biggest I wouldn't call stages. him a prover I wouldn't call him a proven winner. I mean, did he not deliver in the NBA finals, guarding okay. Steph Curry, making big time shots, big time plays? Um, okay, yes. he's a guy who has shown a lot of grit. But as a number one player. as a number one, he's not 
proven to be a winner. And this is a, a team where he's going to be number one. Because if we're looking... Come on, man. Like, you can't judge those Raptors teams. Those were not real contenders. But, and he okay, was but never this the scenario... number one on those teams. Okay, regard. Okay, if I'd say one A one B with Pascal Siakam. Regardless, I'd say those Toronto teams have an equivalent level of talent to this Rockets team. Yeah, they're not trying to win. If These not, Rockets teams are not trying to make it to the finals. But what they so are trying to do is so get some an experience in the playoffs. No, I'll say this about Dylan Brooks. I think that you're right. He does provide some value as a locker room guy, as a guy who can provide some tenacious defense, as a guy who can get his guys inspired. I mean, you see the dancing videos on TikTok all the time like he brings like a lot of energy to a locker room and i think you can't really quantify that in numbers but i think this is a guy who also doesn't know his role on the team i think that he can be way too ready with a green light and shoot his team out of games when he really should not be taking these types of shots um i think that you know he's way more often going to shoot you out of a game than he's going to win you with his hot shooting um and i think that can be a big liability for teams i also think that look his stock tanked after these playoffs he was at an all-time low to the point where people were discussing whether he should be out of the league at this point and what did the rockets do they they threw him a huge overpay because they had the money to do it well, i don't I, think there was really i, a, the I don't think there was a market credit. out there for dylan brooks i think you could have got him for way less you could have got him for four years 60 mil and that would have been fine but instead you're paying him almost 90 million dollars for four years and i think that's going to prove to be a pretty negative asset Look, I do give the Rockets some credit, though. I mean, obviously, this invalidates kind of the Fred Van Bleet thing, but I give them some credit because they had to hit the salary floor. So they had to pay guys, and they just chose to pay those two mm -hmm. uh, what they paid them. And uh, yeah, I see the val validity of saying that Fred Van, v Fred Van Bleet is a better contract. I can't speak today, but that uh, he's a better contract than Dylan Brooks. But I don't know. I think it's marginal because of the the difference in the amount of money they're making. I think this is still a guy who's a very net negative defender. This is taking away from the opportunity for Amen Thompson to be a leader on this team, taking away his experience. And I think that also factors into it for me. The fact that they decided to sign a guy to be their number one, give them some playoff experience, who is going to be a primary ball handler and, and take away opportunities from the, their supposed star. Or sure. rising star. So I think that... That's a fair place to wrap up, though, for the the contracts. Yeah, I'm, that's cool that we had such different lists. I mean, obviously, yeah. some overlap with you know Jalen Brunson and Ben Simmons as being common threads, but I'm glad that we were able to sort of approach these in two different ways. Yeah, we'll see what people think is a better list. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to but, see. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about the, the new rule. We talked about this in the last podcast. How two stars can't sit in the same game. If you didn't, uh, you know, hear us talk about that, go listen to our last pod. A little plug there, <laughs> but talking about the the new information on it is that uh, the stars have to be available for in season tournament games in December, and they have to be available for national TV games, obviously barring serious injury. Uh, so they're not allowed to rest at all during those games. I think there's going to be massive fines uh, if they if two stars do sit in the same game. We now have the fine amounts. The first game is going to be a hundred thousand dollars per player. The second offense is $250,000. The third one is $1.25 million. And the fourth offense is $2.25. And every game you sit adds another million dollars. So they're not joking around. We're talking, if you if two stars sat five games in a row, they'd be each paying about $8 million or $7 million in fines. That's ridiculous. So you know stars are not going to be doing it, which I really do like. Uh, but then the next bit of information on this 
is the league will also be pre-approving load management for stars above the age of 35, uh, or if they have amassed 34,000 regular season minutes uh, or a combined 1,000 regular seasons and playoff games. So the list of players this includes, keep in mind these players have to be stars, is LeBron, KD, Steph Curry, James Harden, CP3, DeMar DeRozan, and Mike Conley. Uh, so what are your thoughts on all this information and just uh, positives and negatives to take away from all this? Um, I think that Kawhi Leonard needs to um, potentially look into bankruptcy. He might be <laughs> <laughs> he might be in trouble this season. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I do like these changes. I think that I think it's especially cool how the NBA is prioritizing national TV games because it is depressing when you have a, a, a a matchup like say the Lakers Celtics on national TV, a really hyped game, historic rivalry. And then Anthony Davis and LeBron James are sitting and it's just a wash, right? Cause Tatum and Brown will combine for like 50 points and it's not even a, a remotely a close game. So I do really like the, these rules. Uh, I think it's funny actually how I brought up the Lakers as an example, because obviously LeBron is going to be exempt from these rules. Um, it does make me think there is a bit of favoritism in how these um, exemptions were created, like the qualifications just so happened to fit, you know, the league's favorite LeBron, um, uh, as well as I will say like though, CP3, Steph, KD, you know, um, it makes sense. Like the, it does make sense to say, Hey, if you are a star who's has so much mileage that, you know, it risks a lot, a lot of injury, you know, I think there's some validity to it to a certain extent. I'd be curious to see guys who like just barely didn't make the cut. Mm. You know, I feel like yeah. we could could see like a a Paul George and or Kawhi Leonard. I feel like they could be right there, like just barely. Definitely. Um, I think yeah. it's also good that for the Timberwolves that Mike Conley is yeah. exempt because you know we were talking about last pod. You know, they they could be in a tough situation where if Mike Conley's sitting, that means both Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns have to be playing. And I guess Rudy Gobert too, right? Um, so that, doesn't technically they they have four stars. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the Timberwolves a four I think, I star think, lineup, pretty crazy. I do think that uh, awards count. Like so, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant would both be counting. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, I mean the the Grizzlies won't have to worry about that for twenty five games, which is good for them, no. I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I, overall, I say yeah, good for them. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty satisfied with these rules. Um, are you? Do you, do you think do you this think is going to lead? Be... Or you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. Do you think that it's good that for the Warriors' sake that Steph and CP3 can both sit whenever? Basically, like I mean, obviously pre-approved by the league, which means Adam Silver is going to be able to say yes or no to it. But generally speaking, the Warriors won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, they kind of caught a lucky break here. I'm just still not big at all on the CP3 move. Um, I mean, you look at how old their players are. I mean, like, this is an aging team, right? With Draymond, Clay, obviously Steph and CP3 getting up there, too. I mean, CP3 is old at this point. Is I mean, so I think they're going to jump straight to the Warriors with... talk. Yeah, let's just because jump straight we're, into We're going to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can keep going with what your point was. I was just going to say, yeah, like, this team is getting old in their um, – I mean, they just traded away one of their brightest young players and and um, Jordan Poole. And so I think these rules might help, Like, but I think they're just going to be brittle and get hurt throughout the season. I, I don't think things are looking bright for the Golden State Warriors. 
Yeah. Uh, on on that note, I mean, they're looking at signing a 37-year-old Dwight Howard. This is something they're still a little bit weary of, but it looks like they're optimistic to be able to get him, and they think it's going to help them kind of deal with the big, bad uh, players of the league, like your Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, you know, because they haven't really historically had anyone to be able to deal with those guys. Also, Anthony Davis, of course. Uh, but going off of what your point was, I am very concerned for this Warriors team. And the more I've I've thought about this team construction, actually, the more it reminds me of the Russell Westbrook, like the beginning of the Russell Westbrook Lakers, right? You trade for an aging star who was in a, you know, a bad scenario, you know, kind of a, a losing scenario in the playoffs. Um, get them to a new team with an established system, established stars, the players have been known to not conform to their teams. I mean, Chris Paul is a little different than Russell Westbrook in the sense that Chris Paul has always been a winner. Chris Paul, more than anything, has just always won. Wherever he goes, he boosts the winning. But Chris Paul has the exact opposite play style of the Warriors. And Russell Westbrook had the exact opposite play style of the Lakers. And then mm-hmm. combine that with the fact that the Lakers decided to surround Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis with a bunch of players who were 33 and older, like Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. Like, I couldn't even remember the players who he signed because it's so un- so not memorable. Like, Carmelo Mello, Anthony, right? he, was, yeah. he was the only bright spot. And then, you know, the positives were we had Malik Monk, who was great. We had Austin Reeves, who was emerging, starting to emerge. And I see a lot of similarities to this Warriors team. I look at this team, you know, if they signed Dwight Howard, that's 37-year-old. Steph Curry's older. You know, Clay Thompson's older. He's got hurt. You know, you, you, the list goes on and on. And you talk about the young young guys. You have Kuminga and Moody, who were great bright spots in the team. But two young guys don't supplement the fact that your the entire rest of your team is aged and the, the system isn't a natural fit. So it's going to take time. So I think it's very possible this team is going to build itself in such a hole because of the, the, you know, the fit, especially if they're trying to start Chris Paul. What does that look like? If you try to start Chris Paul, I think you could start the season – five and 15 and not be able to dig yourself out of that hole yeah it does that's honestly a great comparison to the retirement home lakers because i think that this is starting to feel like a bit of a retirement home too a lot of players in sort of the twilight of their careers cp3 basically at the end of his career um bringing in dwight howard just feels like almost a desperation move like come on is there no better option than a 38 year old dwight howard who's been you know just live in life lavishly in Taiwan for the past year or so. Um, and so it's like, I don't know. It just feels like this Warriors roster is scrambling. I agree with everything you just said. I think that what they do need is to get some young blood. Honestly, if they brought in Kelly Oubre, who we were talking about, I think that would have been a much more positive move with a lot more potential upside. But I don't think Dwight offers much to the Warriors outside of maybe a physical big who can catch some lobs and try playing defense but at this point in his career i don't even know if he can do that um like i, I don't know we can't really I mean, judge based off yeah. of like how he was uh in taiwan but yeah i think know? this is a guy who can still do what he did in the past which is give you 15 minutes a game of decent enough basketball you know like he, he's gonna get you more boards than some other guys could I think he's a good backup to Kevon Looney, who actually I haven't talked about. I think the Warriors, I'm not comparing them entirely to the Lakers. I think they have a lot more bright spots than that retirement home Lakers team did. 
but I just think it's similar enough to give me concerns. Like, Kevon Looney's there. I didn't mention. You have Gary Payton the second there. Andrew Wiggins, of course. Like, you have a lot more young pieces to supplement the fact that you have so many older players, whereas the Lakers did not supplement with any young guys. They just said, we're buying all in our youngest player. We have two guys below the age of 30. You know, like, just disgusting. But I still think there's, like like I'm saying, enough similarities to make me concerned. This Warriors team, like, we both had them, like, in, like, that six to seven range. I think you might have had them at five. But I, I could see a world where this team is 10-11, you know, mm. if it really just, you know, God forbid, an injury to one of the core players, like, let's say, you know, Andrew Wiggins is out for some time again for whatever reason, or Steph Curry has another injury. You know, you could see this team fall again back right to where they were three years ago. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, and honestly, I'm just saying, I'm honestly just more curious than anything to see what Steve Kerr rolls out for this roster. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, with that, we can move forward unless you have any closing thoughts. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you think the starting lineup is, because if they're saying Chris Paul will start, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. <laughs> so here's, no, don't even have Looney there. Honestly, no. like maybe they even try bringing Wiggins off the bench, but that doesn't make sense, you know? Like no, for a guy who's I, I an all-star it, caliber man. player. Oh, that's another guy we didn't talk about. Andrew Wiggins qualifies as an all-star. Oh yeah, man, the Warriors are in for a rough season. Well, I, they don't have to worry about it because Steph Curry and oh Chris yeah. Paul don't don't Good point. qualify. But but uh, man. Like trying to fit CP three into that lineup, a starting lineup just doesn't make any sense, especially when you know that Steph Clay, Wiggs, uh, Draymond, and Looney lineup was so lethal, especially yep. in their uh twenty twenty two run. So I think we could see a world where, you know, Steve Kerr has to make that decision. Hey, you can't start anymore. It just doesn't work. You're better as a six man, and Chris Paul just can't wrap his head around that decision. You know, I think yeah. there's a world where that happens, and the same thing that happened to Russell Westbrook. With the Russ Frank Vogel are really striking, yeah. I, I think it's very similar, like eerily similar, and I'm surprised that the Warriors didn't see that too. Yeah, it's like you know history repeating itself. Honestly, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, but we but can yeah, talk. I guess with we that, can move on. Yeah, I just want to talk about this Sixers news. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers—they've been pretty quiet this offseason, not making a lot of moves outside of bringing in Pat Bev. But today they signed um, Kelly Oubre. Um, so I guess just initial thoughts for that. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a marginal move. I think Kelly Oubre is a guy who can give you 15 points a game if you know in the proper role. I think he can be efficient scorer, you know, net negative on defense, kind of just like a a supplement to the fact that they've lost some shooting over this past offseason. I think it it makes them marginally better. I does this change their seeding from the five seed to the four seed no it, it does not do that but i think kelly Oubre is just a nice addition to give yourself some more spacing and some depth especially with the unknown of james harden right now yeah and i think he's a nice physical wing which is something they needed after losing a guy like george niang uh this offseason so good to just pick that up for nothing pretty much like kelly yeah. Ray, you know he was just kind of flying out there on, um as a free agent and so they just picked him up for nothing so Low risk, medium reward, in my opinion. Not too yeah. significant. I guess the other piece of Sixers news to talk about is uh, that the James Harden trade talks are officially closed and that the Sixers are basically expecting him to show up to training camp. 
yeah, the, the Clippers do not care anymore. They don't like their opportunities, which good for the Clippers because imagine the team with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. That just sounds like a nightmare. So, which is crazy because, like, I feel like five years ago, you say that team out loud, and it's like that team is a dynasty winning every championship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, things change pretty quick in the NBA, and uh, that would not be good for the Clippers. So I'm glad they, they kind of came to their senses a little bit, uh, learned from everybody else's mistakes. And I think, you know, getting it to the Dame news as well, because I think they kind of have, you know, James Harden and Damian Lillard kind of go hand in hand right now. This is a very different outcome for kind of the disgruntled stars as opposed to the past few seasons. I feel like things happened pretty quick in the past. Uh, like obviously Anthony Davis in 2019, 2020, um, you know, that whole previous James Harden situation, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, every single situation happened relatively quickly. And these two just are not happening at all. So are, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that teams are just being a little bit more hesitant to just deal out their star players and realize that they do have a lot of leverage. And they're basically saying, we're going to wait until we get a deal we like. And if not, then, you know, you're under contract for us and you're going to play for us. Otherwise, there will be consequences. And so I think it's more of a wise move from the team's perspective. Um, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of mistakes with trading star players and not getting a, a proper return back. So I think teams are just being more cognizant of that fact now. Oh, yeah, I, I fully agree. And then I think we can move on if you have anything else to say about the Sixers. Then we can get into more of the Blazers news. Uh, and specifically Dame news, because there is a little bit of change from what we've been hearing in the past. So a few days ago, we heard the Heat and the Blazers officially stopped conversations. Basically, the Blazers want everything the Heat can possibly give, and the Heat did not feel that they needed to because they had just gotten to the finals. They're fine where they are. So obviously, that's not getting anyone anywhere. But today, the Hornets have now joined as a potential third party looking to pair Tyler Hero with LaMelo Ball, and they definitely have some young assets that the Blazers could feel more confident in receiving than a Duncan Robinson, a Tyler Hero. So what are your thoughts on this emerging news, and what do you think of a possible Tyler Hero-LaMelo Ball backcourt? Um, I, I don't <laughs> think it makes much sense. I mean, think about who the Hornets just drafted this year at number two. You know, Brandon Miller. That's not the guy who's supposed to pair up with LaMelo ball on the backcourt like I think him and Tyler Hero are very similar players and have very similar play styles so I don't really like that fit there um the Hornets I also didn't don't think they have too many young assets to offer I think they're honestly one of the more underwhelming um young teams in the league in terms of like having a lot of promising players like who would you want on that team? Like, seriously. Probably, like, Kai Jones. Uh... Dude, are you serious right now? I mean, like, no disrespect to Kai Jones, but, like, he's not a guy who's really moving the needle in trade or, talks for or Damian like, Lillard. Terry, Terry Rozier, James Book. Come Knight, on. Uh... Uh, Terry Rozier is not young. That guy's pushing 40 at this point in his career. <laughs> Gordon Hayward. <laughs> Frank Nilakina. To... Yeah. It's not looking oh, great over there. I mean, I actually, I think, I think PJ Washington is a decent piece though. Like PJ Washington, uh, Cody Martin, um, Cody Martin they, is they the have... worst, the worst Martin twin. Yes, he is the worst Martin twin. But we saw what happened to Caleb Martin recently. I Who don't knows? think it works <laughs> like that, man. I mean, look at look at Marcus Morris and uh, Marcus Morris. 
I think Brooke and Robin is a better comparison. That's fair, honestly. That's where this is a better comparison. Or Drew Holiday and like Justin or Aaron Holiday. Yeah, but uh, no, I think that it's a little bit of a confusing move from the the Hornets. I have to agree, but I can see the vision there as Tyler here, Lamelo Ball, and Brandon Miller. I think the the defense is horrendous, but do the Hornets even really care? Have they just given up the, about being an a, a, a about being NBA an NBA team? <laughs> Have they just <laughs> given up? That's a good title for this episode. Have the Hornets given up on being a legitimate NBA team? <laughs> oh my uh, god, that's hilarious. They're just focused on making TikToks now. So, I mean, bringing in Tyler Hero <laughs> definitely, would in, definitely would increase your Instagram output, your TikTok output. Yeah. So, if we're looking at it on those metrics, I think that, you know, the Hornets could have a steal in their hands here. Oh yeah, for sure. And then uh, last, yeah. last, lastly for this podcast, I think we wanted to get into uh, sort of like an extension of like this Jalen Brown new wave of contracts. The next guy up who could be eligible for a massive contract extension is Jaron Jackson Jr., who we were talking about earlier on the best contracts list. He's eligible, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year again, for a five-year, 318. That's bigger. That's 12 million more than um, Jalen Brown got. $318 million contract, giving him the new biggest contract in the NBA. Well, good thing we're never going to have to worry about this because he's not winning Defensive Player of the Year again. Who's your but, who's who's your early Defensive Player of the Year? Just uh, I know, throwing it out there. I'm going to go with a hot take here. Real hot take. I'm going to go Nick Claxton. Ooh, that is, that is a hot take. I feel like you have to be a top three seed to be defensive player of the year. I'm going to go ahead and say Giannis wins his second one. Giannis wins number two. Fair enough. I mean, I could also see Brooke Lopez taking that one too. The Bucks are always insanely solid on defense. Yeah. But yeah, I think that I don't think this contract is going to come to fruition. Uh, and if it did, I think it would be honestly a fair contract. Like if you're the Grizzlies, you got to lock down your guys. And mm-hmm. if Jaron Jackson wins another defensive player of the year, it'll just prove he's legit. Um, I don't read too much into this FIBA World Cup thing. Like, obviously, he didn't play well there. But, I mean, if we're going by FIBA World Cup, Aaron Austin Reeves is, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the better players in the world right now. And well, Dennis Schroeder is the best player in the world. I think also something, like, we talk about how Jaron Jackson Jr. was a horrible rebounder in FIBA. We have to consider, he's always the four. He's playing next to Steven Adams, one of the top three offensive rebounders and defensive rebounders in the game. And if he's not next to... Steven Adams, he's, he was next to Brandon Clark, another incredibly good rebounder. So rebounding just wasn't something he had to focus on as a Grizzly, which became his primary focus that he just wasn't used to doing as you know a FIBA world team member. So I think their context matters. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm excited to see Jaron Jackson um, take honestly an expanded offensive role uh, in this period of absence for John Morant. So, yeah, we'll see what he can do. Definitely. Um, but I think that's a good place to call it. Uh, it's another great episode. We're nearing the uh, start of the NBA season. Uh, it's yes, in a month a away. Over a month, yeah. Yes. Super exciting stuff. So we're going to deliver a lot more content up until that. And uh, yeah, make sure you stick around for that. And we'll see you all then. Take care. Peace. Bye-bye.